I love smoothies, but I don't love smoothie bar prices. With my BlendJet 2 Portable Blender, I can make smoothie bar quality beverages for a fraction of the price. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's more enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blendjet, Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. And it lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you are good to go. With over 30 plus colours and patterns to choose from, there's a Blendjet 2 to complement just about any style. Go to Blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code AsianTan12 to get 12% off your order and free 2-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of Blendjet. They guarantee you love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code AdrianTan12 to get 12% off your order and free 2-day shipping. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Adrian Show. On this podcast, I speak with entrepreneurs, HR leaders and coaches who have a great impact on the future of work. I hope to distill their life lessons so that the rest of us can learn from their best practices. My guest today is Eugene Cheng. He is a partner at HighSpark, a communications think tank that provides messaging and positioning consultancy and soft skills trading services to Fortune 500 companies and venture-backed startups. Eugene has an incredible journey in the business world, from starting his own company to working as an employee and finally going back to running his own business. We'll be diving into his journey and the key lessons he learned along the way, as well as his insights on the entrepreneurial mindset and what it takes to succeed. So sit back, relax and get ready to be inspired by Eugene's journey from entrepreneurship to employment and back to running his own business. Hey Eugene, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Adrian. So you have been doing High Sparks for many years, but most recently you transited to becoming an employee. Could you yeah, help so- us understand about that transition from being your own boss to becoming an employee? I left High Spark after being there for about nine years plus and subsequently joined another company in Web3 called Salad Edges. I was there for about eight to nine months. Then my son was born into this world and subsequently after that i resigned spent some time at home and now i'm back in the business again so the transition i would say was i feel necessary on hindsight simply because when you're doing one thing for such a long time your perspectives become very specific and you are exposed to a lot of things outside of your little uh, bubble right and as we're doing this business and as we continue to learn from external mentors i still felt stagnant at the point that i was at didn't really know where to take the business at least for my end and the things that I was covering and truth be told I felt obsolete in my own company I remember asking my team so guys are there any things that you need my help with is there anything specific no that you think yeah I mean that's why I didn't really say no need it's more I told them to list it out and one of the things was okay when PowerPoint we don't know how to change certain things okay I said fine that can very easily be solved with an SOP the second part was they were saying oh what if we cannot install a certain software? I, I think I was pseudo tech support at the company for some reason. So I felt the list was very short and it gave me a lot more push to say, I guess I should explore something else to expand my horizons and hopefully learn something. So the background of that was that just initially was a client. So my ex-boss at the time, his name was Felix. He's a friend of a friend. 
um, but we somehow knew each other by a little poker game that we had at the friend's place. So what happened was after we did the project with him, they successfully raised their 15 mil round US dollars, right, from various but three VCs. He was really happy with it and he said, maybe you should join us. And at the time, I said no, because when you've been running the business for such a long time, it's hard to make an offer that is sweet enough to get you to say, yeah, I should do something else because you have all this freedom. You are also paid decently, right? So he said, okay. And he spent the next couple of months trying to convince me to join the company. He would invite me to his home. I met his family, his children. We, we started to build a friendly relationship. And, and one day, I guess maybe it's time for me to embark on something new. So I spoke to Kai Singh, my business partner. She agreed that this was something that would be good for me because she also felt that I was becoming very tired. You come to a point where you're doing this thing every day that you're not sure whether you believe in it and you just feel exhausted. The work was not difficult, but it was tiring to do. When I was running my first business, I did hit a point in time where it just becomes so automated, muscle memory to go to office. And at certain days, I felt completely useless. There were days where I go into office, right? Just whole day, social media, do nothing meaningful lah, because it's already autopilot. It's really like a pilot in a plane, right? When you're autopilot, there's really nothing much that one can do. Did it take you long to raise that conversation with your co-founder? Because I would imagine it might somewhat be a difficult conversation. But having said that, we all know Kai Singh, she's a very nice person. But still, on your part, did you overthink that she may take it differently? Before I approached her about it, I felt she could already sense the lethargicness in me that I was getting very bored, that I would come to the office, but I would feel very tired even though I really didn't really do very much. And the business was still doing well. The business was still going. So it's a very weird position to be in where you're comfortable. And although you are making money and revenue, you are not exactly happy. And I think I was looking for something more exciting. I wanted to wake up every day and feel like, oh, it's great to go to work. It's great to work on the really late because you're excited about something new. And I felt at the time, the offer was very attractive for me because of this new industry that I could pursue. So I would say the conversation wasn't very difficult because as you know, Kaising is very understanding. And when we really leveled out about it, she understood it from a perspective of sometimes you need some time away so that you can come back with a fresh new view on the things that you were doing. How do you switch from running your own business to working within an organization? Were there any initial pitfalls, challenges that you come across? Oh, 100%. So for those who are unaware, this is my very first proper employment ever because right after high school, we straight away started the business. I didn't join any other company. I've only done internships at the time. I would say it was, it was a culture shock of sorts, but at the same time, it didn't feel that different. I would say I was number four or number five to join the company at the time. We were really small. And because the company was so new, we didn't have a lot of systems in place. For example, my own employment contract, I literally wrote most of it on my own because we didn't have anybody. I wasn't a co-founder of sorts, but they didn't have this at the beginning. So since I was joining with this experience, having hired people before, having built these systems from scratch and my own company, this became quite valuable because then you could wear many different hats as and when required. So I would do a lot of hiring and obviously because I can think from the business owner's perspective as to what we might need. How do we market the service? I felt that was quite useful and transferable skills immediately. Where the culture shock or the difficulties applied for me was when it came to a point where I had to not do everything, which is very interesting. And there were times when my previous boss would mention that 
he doesn't want me all over the place at any one time. I'm very used to sticking my hands in different places, having a part to play in different parts of the business. But I guess that was counterintuitive in a company that needed to move fast but and needed some focus. Um, so I held myself accountable for a lot of things. And hence, I got tired very quickly. That was one thing. The second thing was, I believe, surprisingly, it wasn't so much about making decisions. You have to be used to, of course, giving up this privilege to your boss, or in this case, my CEO, to have the final decision and the final say. Of course, there will be there will come to certain instances where you don't always agree, and then you have to hash it out. So one thing that was illuminating to me was previously, if I wanted to do something, I would just do it. I won't ask anybody. I would do it fast because I know exactly what I want to do and the logic behind it. Now, I would have to ask somebody. I would have to generate consensus between one or two people before I could get something done or run a certain program, whether it's marketing or whether it's HR. It was something that was interesting for me personally that I had to adapt to, that I had to adjust to. And yeah, I would say it gave me a new perspective for sure. Do you have a sense that you have to work even harder to prove yourself? I personally went through that phase where when I... I took on my job two jobs ago. I actually put in more hours because I just want to make sure that they made the right decision. <laughs> in a way, I just have to overcompensate in a way. Do you feel the same way as well? I think you described that quite well. When I first joined, definitely I felt the need to overcompensate. I even spoke to my boss about it at one instance over dinner. I was mentioning that I wanted to earn respect within the company. I wanted to make sure that no one felt that I was put in the position because I happened to know my boss beforehand and we were friends. I wanted them to know that I had capability to be able to perform based on my own merit. I would say a lot of this was not overanalyzing on my part, but at the same time, I was very aware that the optics become a bit more important in that sense because you are not just answering to one person in this case, although you are, but you have to work with everybody else on the same level or your subordinates or sometimes even your superiors that there's a different hierarchy to manage and it's not as easy as most people think when you first kind of get into it so I agree with you 100% I did feel the need to overcompensate that's why I got a bit burnt out very quickly because I wanted to show that I could do a lot of different things which I could and I did but I came to a point that I get I got some feedback that they said you shouldn't do everything you should try to focus on certain areas that uh, probably your strength which was why I left and joined the company in the first place because I wanted some focus for a change and especially for guys sometimes you just want one goal then you can run towards really quickly and you'll be very happy just because of that and obviously after the stint you came back to High Sparks what accumulated to the decision to go back to entrepreneurship again? When I resigned from Salad Ventures the reason largely was because I was going to be a father and I honestly didn't know how to handle it. I feel like nothing in this world can prepare you for that moment. When the work commitment became quite intense, I did already mention that this might be something I would have to do. Again, I have the luxury, in some cases, most people do not, that I used to run the business before, so I have some savings, I can pipe through without a job for a period of time, it's no problem, right? When that happened, I'll be honest with you, I was very scared for the very first time after a very long time. Why? Because... I feel that the mindset that I used to have, that I used to believe in myself, wasn't as strongly entrenched in my mind anymore. Suddenly, I felt that without an income, without a job at that moment, it was a very scary experience. I was quite worried whether I could find anything else. What does this mean for me right now? Going back to High Spark wasn't your default consideration back then. It wasn't. After making the decision to leave, the decision to come back felt a bit like a step back. 
at the time, like perception wise, my mind was all over the place, which some people may not understand. But I think with your in that same situation, you could be. I took this leap because I wanted to experience something new. Did I achieve my outcomes? I wouldn't say that I achieved it hundred percent. Hence, I was very hesitant to say, "Oh yeah, let's take a step back and go back to what we were doing." But lucky for me, when I left, I got I think between five to seven good job offers right after. I decided to leave, and it's very interesting because once you leave entrepreneurship for a while and you go and work somewhere, suddenly you're fair game. Suddenly everyone wants to hire you based on the skill sets that you have. Again, I'm not bragging. It's just I think I was very lucky. I met a few people who I honestly am not very close to, so I'm not sure why they even trust me. And they basically said, if you are looking for something, maybe you could let me know first and we can discuss. So I did explore a few of these options. Some of the offers are pretty good. Some in tech companies, mostly in software. I then went to your conventional areas like recruitment and all that, and I really seriously considered. I discussed things with my wife, decision wise, and funnily enough, leading up to the end of that cycle of looking through all the different offers, I stumbled on one or two that I really liked, and one of them happened to be a friend. She works at this particular web three company, and obviously, I consider her a very good friend. And if I were to take on the position, I wanted to be fully focused on it. And there was a time where she said, "We have other applicants. We can wait for you, but we can only wait till this Friday. So assume that this was the week of the decision making." So I sat on it for a long time, and when Friday came, I replied to her that I had to decline the role because I was undecided, and I felt that I wouldn't be able to give her my full focus, and that was irresponsible to do that. So when I made that decision, I also made the decision that I wanted to go back into entrepreneurship again. I was very worried because now I'm a father and I have more responsibilities, and time was going to be an issue. But at the same time, I thought I was young enough that I could bet on myself again. So I made that decision. Part of that was also when I was talking to Kai Sing, she told me it'd be nice to have you back. I think because when she's by herself and our team is a bit larger now, it's also a bit tiring for her, and it was tiring for her to run two different businesses. So what we really tried to do after that was she said you can come back. Focus on the consulting side of the business, and she'll focus on the training side of the business. So I thought about it, and I said okay. And at the same time, I feel now I'm quite clear on what I want to do. Kai Sing also want to have the opportunity to go for another six months retreat, lah. So having you back <laughs> would give perhaps, her time to perhaps. go for another long retreat. I was with a consultancy business with a few friends, and then I actually left to take up a job offer. But my motivation back then was completely monetary. And unfortunately, I probably lasted like nine months in a job before I got fired. And then sheepishly have to look at options and went back to the business. But the fortunate thing is my partner was also equally receptive. And I think to your earlier point as well, betting on yourself is something that many people tend to overlook. I always like to use the analogy: imagine if you are a racehorse, you would obviously just put all the money on yourself, right? It doesn't make sense for you to oh let's do this race, but then you bet on the horse next to you. Um, and really by going in that direction, going in that notion, it also help you to be a bit more confident about what you can bring to the world, which I do understand is very hard to see through our own lens. There's always that in internal monologue, right? Ah, yeah, you cannot make it, lah. Nobody will trust you, lah, etc., etc. Which I, I constantly go through almost every single day. But back to your story, are there any push factor as well? And this is nothing related to, of course, the innings of the organization, but perhaps things that you are just so accustomed to as an entrepreneur, where you just find it hard to make that adjustment or acceptance within a corporate culture. Okay, good question. The first one is. 
very relevant to the time, work from home as a culture and a policy. So in the beginning, the organization that I, I joined, Talent Ventures, had a very lax work from home policy as they had more and more people. And because we had some team members that were based elsewhere, they started to inculcate a more physical work culture where you have to go to the office as a policy, basically, you have to be it. I wouldn't say that was a showstopper for me, but it did impact and make it more difficult to consider a life like that where if my newborn is in the house and I want to spend time with him, I wouldn't be able to do that. Obviously, I can still get my work done and we have adjusted our policy at my previous company, the one that I started, to already align to that. So we got rid of the office, 100% virtual remote ways of working, although we sometimes catch up with each other in person. So that was one push factor, if if I'm being very frank, because I believe you don't have to be physically sitting in an office to do a Zoom call. You can do it from home. (laughs) That's one. The second thing was definitely, I believe, being able to make certain decisions that you know is right based on your expertise and what you know and have tried before. I like to say this to some of my friends and like when we're talking about these kinds of issues. If I had cooked chicken rice for 10 years, don't tell me how to cook chicken rice. If you want to give me some feedback on how to do it better, I definitely will take it and I will try to improve it. But if you're trying to tell me that fundamentally I'm cooking chicken rice wrong, I would say I don't think you cook chicken rice long enough to tell me that. On certain areas that I've done very well in and I have proven results, of course, definitely I would rather just go with what I'm saying. That's one thing. I think the second thing is also you don't always get to choose your colleagues, right? It's not that I didn't like my colleagues, it's that they have very different ways of working versus the ones that I select for myself in my company, right? I know my own flaws, I know my own strengths. I'll give you one example. Anyone that I hired at High Spark, my one of my first few questions, will you consider yourself organized? And we would sometimes do a spot check on their desktop to see where all the folders are. The reason I do that is because mine is all over the place. Obviously, working somewhere else, you don't have the luxury of picking your team in a general sense. You have to adapt to other people versus them adapting to you. So I would say, obviously, that's me being very privileged, right? But it is obviously a push factor because you've seen what running the business is like. It comes with a lot of risk. There's a lot of downside risk in that sense for you. But at the same time, there's also a lot of benefits and upside risk. If you manage it well, and if you build processes around your business, you can go for a swim every other week in the morning. You can go to the gym. You have that flexibility because you know your work is getting done. Your results are being hit. So I would say those two were big push factors uh, for me, for sure. Which if I summarize, is basically from home versus work at your office culture. Like if it's either or, then obviously I would just go from home. If it's hybrid, I think that's something that I can still deal with for sure. Because I believe that's the future of work. The second one is, I guess, choice of who you bring into the team. If you cannot impact that, sometimes it makes it difficult for yourself because you can't get your stuff done. If you're getting blocked by someone else who may not understand what you're doing, but they are given decision-making power that is beyond your understanding. And in the time before I left, layoffs started happening in the world. That became a very sobering realization and illuminating decision that you are not safe. As much as a company can want to treat you, you, you are not safe. You have no security. You have no control over yourself and your prospects. Until you run your own business or you run your own thing, then you have full control. Of course, you also take a full downside risk, but at least you can make adjustments. That reminded me of why I started my first business because I was facing my potential third consecutive retrenchment. I was working for a couple of dot-com and during the dot-com bubble burst, of course, I got fired uh, back to back. And then I joined this company that distributes airline spare parts. So I thought I was safe. And then SaaS came along. 
people stopped flying, airliners got impacted. My friend was telling me, wow, you damn sweet. Everywhere you go, crash and burn. Right. Being young and naive, and I had a friend who was running his own business, you think that the grass on the other side of the fence is greener. But of course, with age and experience, you realize sometimes the grass is greener because it's fertilized by bullshit. But it got me and my friend to come together and we started a recruitment business, something we thought of doing two years, became 12 years, and then it just kickstart the rest of the experience. In my previous job, I also experienced the same thing. I mean, working remote is something that is almost a default thing, especially during the peak of lockdown. But whenever there was opportunity to come back, there will always be this enforcement. People has to come back. And I'm not really sure exactly what was the thought process behind it. I think it's just people being very traditionalist in the way that they have operated. Maybe this was how it worked for them when they were working for someone. So they just continue. It's like my army sergeant. Ah. When he go through BMT, he cannot tekan. So when he becomes sergeant, he has to tekan us. They just have to pay forward law somewhat. But I also see it as a way of not really knowing how to measure performance, which is why you just measure all this frivolous stuff. Law. How much time I spend in the office, how long I go for my lunch break, lah, my tea break, lah, my toilet break, lah, those stupid stuff. And to, to the second point, I also face the same issue when it comes to certain individual Especially those at the senior management level because they really have a true impact on the amount of corporate bullshit that can happen within an organization. And this kind of stuff, right, usually, again, it goes back to the top honcho of the organization because he or she actually plays the major part in tolerating, in bringing in all this corporate people who basically run bullshit jobs uh, because they're just messenger so to speak and a lot of time perhaps maybe also because of my own experience as an entrepreneur i think you will also concur it's always about making things happen move things fast and try to see quick outcomes but when you constantly get pushed back oh, yeah this cannot that cannot la. we have to go through a six months exercise line all this kind of potential mckinsey solution whenever you have a small problem to solve you always look at the most complicated solution you want know, my previous role attrition was very bad the company attrition was really high and everyone was cracking their head, like, why and all that. Although it's so obvious, like, writing is on the wall. And the immediate consideration to the solution is, oh, we need to get an employee pulse survey software so that we can pulse check people and all that. And this was actually mentioned in one of the board meetings. So one of the board director just raised up the hand. You only have 30 over people. Why don't you just go and talk to them? So it, it goes back to the notion of why you always constantly have to overcomplicate stuff. Law. And that is something, again, I think with age, with, I wouldn't say wisdom, law, perhaps the accumulated experience that I have, I find it very hard to see past, which I guess in a way is quite similar to the experience that you have. Now, the other thing that I'm really curious, because having gone through that stinks in your employment and going back to being an entrepreneur, firstly, it does not take away your initial duration to why you left High Spark to begin with. So that's one. That's something I want to touch on. And secondly, going through this employment phase, are there any perspective shift to how you approach your own business right now? So the first question, I believe, was regarding uh, whether I maybe I had achieved the outcomes that I wanted to achieve by leaving and then joining back. And if that hasn't changed, then how am I dealing with it. So as I mentioned, I think there were a few objectives for me for leaving. First one is I wanted to see a new industry. I wanted to experience what it was like to be an employee in a fast-growing company. And I feel like I wanted to prove to myself whether I could or could not do it 
well. So like I mentioned, because I haven't been exposed to that, I wanted to be exposed to more ideas, meet more people, be exposed to a new way of working. I think those things have been achieved. What I wish I would have done maybe a bit better or at least spend a bit more time on there is perhaps maybe at starting a few different projects within the company itself, like entrepreneurship style, because on high tide, my, my exposure was very open to all these ideas. He really gave me a lot of leeway and freedom and I believe he trusted me a lot. So I appreciate that. Felix, if you're listening to this, definitely I'm so thankful that we had that opportunity to work together. But yeah, I think now coming back, the new goals that I set for myself is I want to be a lot clearer. I think being in that industry, which is sometimes, for lack of a better word, a bit hyping, you come to realize certain things about yourself. You start to reflect and you realize that certain parts of your value system may be challenged if you choose to join a particular industry like that where there's a certain culture. I don't blame it on the company, of course, it's just the general industry culture. So I, if you've told me for a while, I'm quite a conservative person and I'm not particularly a greedy person. Yeah, I don't spend a lot of money. I wear black t-shirts from Uniqlo every other day. So I think it came to a point where I realized that before I joined the company, I wanted very simple things. All I wanted was I could run another one or two cash flow generating businesses, have a decent lifestyle, spend time with my family. I'd be really happy. And suddenly when I joined this other industry, I wanted a lot more things. I wanted money fast. I invested a lot of money. I lost quite a bit of money also, although I did make money where it was all good. So it was a really big slap in the face to to myself that maybe I wasn't pursuing these avenues for the right reasons. And I think if you ask me, maybe that was the best takeaway, although it was a very extensive lesson. Now the second one, or the second question was, what did I take away that I would want to apply in my own business? The first one was, my ex-boss came from an events background. So with the company that he ran, although it was very technology focused, once the COVID restrictions started to not be so strict, he started to run some events that I could not, I could never understand why we run these events. We would pay two to three thousand dollars per event on a bi-weekly basis to hold this event. And he did try to explain it to me, but I didn't get it. I think shortly down the line, I started to realize that if it's your event, you can ask anyone to come. They will all have to talk to you, and you can reach anybody you want at that moment in time because it's your event. Even if they want to get connected to anybody, you can be the connector. You can build that identity and trust for yourself by running these events and by meeting people in person to accelerate decision making. So that was quite interesting as a takeaway for me. And obviously for me also, it was, did we have to run these events physically or can we do it virtually? So moving forward, coming back to the business, I believe in running more virtual events because it's very clear that everyone's not doing that anymore. In 2020, everyone was doing virtual events, if you remember. And because they were all doing that, there were too many of them. And now, there's nothing. There's no noise. There's there's no whipper from our region. So I feel it's the best time to zig while everyone is zagging to really get uh, a lot of mind share in this period. So that's one thing. The second thing that I learned was accountability. What do I mean by that? So my I learned this from my ex-boss, which is he likes to use task management software like Asana. And the way that he managed teams was very different from the way I managed teams. Again, I had an issue of wanting to do everything myself, which is a very common business owner problem. And sometimes what I let people do is I let them share accountability. What does that mean? For example, if I have two teammates and I give them a project, I will not assign it to one person. I'll assign it to the both of them and I'll say, okay, show it to me when you're done. The problem with that approach is that 
it sometimes gets kicked down the road and you don't ever see it done. And even when it's not done and you try to find someone to be accountable for it, they like to share accountability. It's not their fault, but you build this game that makes it easy for them to get away scot-free. Whereas my ex-boss comes from a background where they have to get things done in a very tight timeline because they are in events, right? So what he does is just very simply a little bit different, but it's very profound in the different. He assigns it to one person who then takes charge of the team and ensures that it's done. If it's not done, then he will ask this person why is it not done? And this person will take all the responsibility. Obviously, not everyone wants to take that mantle, but there will be one or two people who might. And what I found is that when he did that, it always gets done, no matter what, right? Somehow it does, at least 9 out of 10 times. Versus when the way I was managing it in my previous company, I would jump in and save them and get the work done on all on my own, which wasn't a proper way to do it. I also learned that maybe it's also good to sometimes take time out of your day to think. I never used to do that. I used to just fill my time fully with doing things and I always felt very productive because I would get a lot of things done. But then you realize you're not pushing the envelope on anything because you are not generating new non-obvious insights. You are not learning anything new. And when you stop growing, that's where you become stagnant. That's where you become bored and then you look for something else. So I realized that we have the capabilities to learn these things very fast. We have all the access to the information that we need. We just sometimes have to pay for it or we just sometimes don't have the time for it. As a business owner, I think what I learned, because my when I was working with my boss, he gave me a lot of the tough stuff that he would be busy with, so I would help him with that. Then that gave him a lot about new people that he might want to meet, about new ideas, and I appreciate that that was one of the pretty good insights for me that I took away. So bestowing people with accountability actually motivate most of them, in fact, all of them, to rise up to another level that you may not have the opportunity to see. I've seen that happening before in a few of my previous organizations as well. And to your last point about doing everything, I think it's quite common, especially for a first-time entrepreneur. When I was doing my first business, same thing. I have a tendency to just do everything, to try to cover up any shortfall, etc. And even though when I go for short holidays and things seems to be still smooth sailing, in fact, sometimes even better during my absence, I will still go back to the norm of working in the business instead of on the business, which require things like you said, you need to detach yourself and really have the thinking time, have that weekly corporate retreat by yourself just to think through what you did right, what you did wrong. I think that is really very useful and powerful. And for people who may currently be in similar shoe, perhaps existing entrepreneur looking at, or even self-employed people looking into going into the workplace to as an employment, do you have any advice, any tips for them on the things that they should take note of, things that they should take into consideration before making that decision? So the first one would be, I would say you really have to know your role in the company. I know that sounds very basic. The issue is the job description usually does not describe the job most of the time, especially in roles like marketing. The job description has seven roles. Your roles are probably like 20 or 30. They expect you to do a lot of other things, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but you want to be mentally prepared and you want to know what resources you have at your disposal. And you may already be used to a certain way and style of executing and work. And I feel this needs to be really set up front. This needs to, I would say, don't rush into it. Opportunities sometimes come and they come with like a clock or a deadline. And then you feel like you need to rush into it. I can tell you more often than not, rushing into it is the wrong decision. You are not thinking clearly 
and you don't have all the information. Obviously, you can never have all the information before you make a decision, but you want the key things, for example, obviously, who you'll be working with, who gets to add new people to your team, <laughs> and will your role be restructured in any sense of the word in the very short term? Of course, in the medium term, certain things might change. For example, economy goes bad, certain things may change, and you might see your role become redundant or you need to go around. I think those things are quite common. And if you are a business owner, you can foresee these things. The second thing is deciding for yourself, where do you want to grow? Because you could pick something that you're already good at. Then what's the point, right? Because you're not growing, you're not building yourself holistically. So I feel you need to be smart about even the role that you take and the role or portfolio that you want to expand into. For example, if you are already a decent marketer, do you really want to do the marketing role? You could, but what else could be valuable for you? And depends on your roadmap. If you eventually want to go back to do another business, wouldn't you want to learn about HR? And you'd be quite interested to know, at least for myself, most businesses aren't very good at HR, especially in our region. So if you feel and you've highlighted certain areas that you want to grow in, try to speak to the hirer or the hiring company to see whether you can potentially expand into that once you have a wider coverage or leadership role. So depending on what the role. Then I would say the third thing is, I think give yourself some general objectives and goals so that you can measure back as you are in the role to see whether you are achieving what you want. It's very easy to get sucked up into the mindset, into the space, into close group think of being an employee. It's not that it's a bad thing, but the way that they think is very different. It's not that I want to do an ask versus them because I consider these people my friends, but it's very easy to get influenced when you have seven or eight different people that think very differently from yourself. You start to become more like them. That's, you need to ask yourself whether that's what you want. I'll give you an example. You may be someone who is very driven, who wants to achieve things, who is ambitious and wants to work very hard. Sometimes when you mix with a lot of people who are not and they're very comfortable where they are and they want to take things slow, you become a bit like them, they become a bit like you. That's You sort of be in the middle. So you need to decide what are traits that you definitely want to preserve and how that might affect you when you meet some of these people. Your value system is also very important. And I think one more last point is don't beat yourself up because of the lack of control that you have and sometimes you cannot achieve the outcomes that you want as quickly. If you commit to being an employee, that is what is going to happen. It's sad to say, but maybe that's why you picked the role in the first place. But if that's not what you want and you don't want to move slower and you don't want to take your time and you don't want to be shrouded in all that decision-making hierarchy and all that, then don't be an employee. Stick to what you're doing because being an entrepreneur is really good. It's just you sometimes get stuck in your own little bubble. Yeah. So I think there are other ways to move around it. Uh, there are people you can meet, there are mentors you can see, and there are still many ways to grow. But if you feel that this is right for you and you need to do it, go for it. I think it's okay. You can always decide to do something else. Oh, and one more last thing. If you decide to join and then you decide to leave like me, don't feel bad. Don't feel like you make a, made a mistake because there's no wrong door and you would have realized something about yourself. At least you know what you like and what you don't like. At the same time, you come to a point where you know and are confident enough to say that I want to do this. And you enter with so much more conviction. And that's so important in anything that you do in this life. Thank you so much. I think for the listeners out there, if you are still sitting on the fence of where to turn, whether it's right or left or just to go straight, I hope this podcast episode will help you to perhaps inch a bit forward and maybe even distill down your thinking to whether this is really the right next thing for you. Eugene, thank you so much for your time here today. For people who is keen to learn more about yourself and what you do, where can they go to? I post a lot on LinkedIn. I post every day about B2B marketing, persuasion, 
sometimes topics like this also. So they can find me there. I recently hit 10,000 followers, so I'm very happy. I hope that uh, I can slowly grow that and help more people and uh, of course meet a lot more interesting groups of people from anywhere in the world. This will be added into the show notes. Once again, Eugene, thank you so much for coming on to the show and I wish you continued success in High Sparks or whatever else you have in mind. Thank you so much. Thank you. I had a good time. Thanks so much. Looking forward to catch up again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you are using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.